0: Leighton and Jerrica, why don't you guys come on up? Let's give them a hand and a welcome.
1: Good morning. I'm so excited to be here. My wife's so excited to be here. Um, We really do consider ourselves to be friends of Evangel. This is a very special place to us. We've had some... Really incredible moments. I just remember, I think it was last summer, uh, doing some evangelism outreaches and just incredible testimonies from that time. But even just to see what's beginning to blossom in Bathurst, just as I was praying before, uh, in, in the seat before I came up here, I just was really um, sensing God's heart of commendation for this congregation and what he was commending it for in the spirit was remaining visionary and missional. I I, I just, so many churches in our region have, um, through very legitimate things, whether it's the the diminishing attendance or it's uh, just the struggles to remain relevant to a society that seems to be turning away from God, have switched from this place of being visionary and missional Into a place of trying to conserve what has already happened. And I just want to commend specifically your leadership for this incredible, for the incredible visionary aspect that Evangel has retained. It's of the Lord, it's beautiful, and it's essential for our region. And it's going to be a voice that not only is for the salvation of Bathurst, but will actually have the ability to spread fires to other. Other regions, by nature of it being visionary and missional, um, and so yeah, just want to commend uh, pastors uh, for for your incredible job. All of you guys sitting over there. <laughs> yeah, so my name's Layton, and as you can see on the picture, uh, that's my wife Jerica, also over there. And our uh, our missionary team is growing. We uh, we welcomed a third onto the team. Her name is Brinley, and uh, she's the most She's the most effective of all of us, I think. She, uh, <laughs> she's five months now, and uh, she's a great conversation starter for sure. So <laughs> we, we love taking her out and about. And on trips like this, we were thanking God because she's so great in the car. Like, we can drive anywhere. We had a drive to uh, Dunham, Quebec just recently, and it was 11-hour drive, and she only cried for the last 30 minutes of it, which were hard, but it was still pretty good. For, uh, for an 11-hour drive um, so very thankful for Brindley uh, the Lord's definitely blessed us there we're missionaries with an organization called youth with a mission some of you may have heard of it it's the largest missions organization if you're uh, in the world if you're going by terms of um, members people involved currently in missions around 70,000 people um, and we uh, we're very grateful to be part of a global movement that is impacting the frontier of Christianity as well as uh, places like Moncton, New Brunswick, and Bathurst. Um, it gives us global perspective to be in such a like a huge company of witnesses, um, just to see what God is doing across the earth. And um, I just wanted to give you a few updates locally before we look globally, but. Um, cool. Let's see. Nice. Yeah, I just wanted to give from the last couple months uh, what, what God's been doing in Moncton where Jarek and I are based. So this is a picture from October. We had the privilege of uh, hosting Every Disciple Sent, which a couple of your number were at, which was incredible. So part of it was a conference for Activation. And so uh, it's a team from Peterborough, Ontario, that we hosted in Moncton to do an a, a evangelism activation and discipleship uh, training school following it uh, in the week afterwards. Um, and it was an amazing time. It was of worship. We had Bill Pranker join us for it as well, who is, um, who's, well, just a Canadian legend. Um, but, yeah, so, but my favorite thing. Incredibly rich times on the streets. Um, it was just we saw over the course of a, of the week that we were there. Uh, twenty people give their lives to Jesus on the streets. Just under it was like nineteen, I think. So, but round up twenty. Um, so, yeah, it was it was an incredible time. It felt like the spirit. It felt like things were breaking in the spirit, like barriers that had like kept us <laughs> from seeing that full harvest. Uh, were just breaking during that week, and it was just so incredible just to see, Um, and every time we go out, uh, healings were happening. Often before people would give their lives to Christ, they'd be healed from physical um, sicknesses. Um, We saw the people delivered of demons on the street as well. It was uh, was an incredible time, and uh, some of them came back and got trained afterwards too for discipleship themselves which is incredible to see god fast tracking growth um yeah so we're excited we will be hosting uh every disciple sent again next year so keep keep an eye uh, on the uh on the web and see if something gets announced because we'd love to have you guys it was a really encouraging and fruitful time and then in august going back just a few months prior um, it was we hosted the flood in Moncton. Um, so my spiritual mentor, Spencer Mason, and I, um, before either of us were in full-time ministry, we, we used to meet in his living room and pray, and they were just rich times that were deeply formative. This is about six years ago, and at the time, there wasn't really much of a young adults movement in Moncton. Um, we, there just wasn't the critical mass but we had uh, God gave us a word that we were going to see the Capitol Theater filled in downtown Moncton. So it's this old, incredible, like really ornate on the inside, really fun theater that seats around 700 people, and it was total pipe dream at the time. But uh, we we knew that God wanted to fill it with young adults, so we just kind of let it. We kind of just put it on the back burner and just and just let it kind of sit there for a while. But God has done a lot in Moncton in the past uh, little bit. Um, we've we've just seen a large influx of young adults accepting Jesus and uh, and getting serious about their faith. And so we uh, so we gathered and we packed out the the Capitol Theater in August for an event called the Flood, and it was a blast. It was just so fun to be with just filled with with uh, people of Gen Z. Um, worshiping God together, and we had um, from Derek Mack from The Send and from Circuit Riders, which are organizations that we're close with, came and preached a message of activation, um, which was impactful, I know. Um, The week leading up to it was almost as good, too, because we had uh, teams visiting us from across Canada that did outreaches with us, and we had a time in the prayer room, and we also led a youth camp during that time, too, during the day times. That was and uh, I believe it was six of the students gave their lives to Christ and got baptized is that right night right number yeah so that was a that was a great time of just seeing God move in young people and a uh, fulfillment of promises so we're excited to see where God takes uh, the flood in uh, in the future as well so um, that was that was a great highlight and and even just recently on just on, on an encouragement note we're just seeing not even us, um, not like even, even the, the movement of salvation goes beyond what evangelism is able to accomplish because we're just seeing people. Uh, just recently, we had a young man from a Muslim background who had dreams and visions of Jesus in, in, um, in Ottawa and in Moncton, and he came and just literally walked into church and asked, how can I give my life to Jesus? I want to get baptized And that's just been, and we've been walking with him since. This was just like a week ago. And that just seemed to be the repeated phenomenon of just people hungry for Jesus. Jesus the evangelist is at work. He's drawing Gen Z to himself. He's really, um, and and we're just so thankful to be seeing this harvest that we've been praying for for so long. Um, We just really feel like it's a fulfillment of promises for sure. When I was asking God what to talk about he what he i i um for we've been i've preached this message a few times at a few different churches and the word that god i felt in the spirit to share was a word of encouragement to the church of eastern canada because i think there's this sense in which in many ways in eastern canada and just the west the Western Church in general we've become a discouraged church in many ways, and I know that's not god 's heart for us and here's the ways that you 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 may be feeling on an individual level discouraged about the state of the church right now um, I know many of us uh, sense the loss of political and cultural influence that the church has um, there were days where um, the things of God had much greater hold on how society ran, and we and there's so many different ways that you can talk about this about like what's taught in school versus, um, yeah, just like policies that are being passed. There's so many areas in which um, we we can see a visible shift of values and a visible shift of who's influencing um, our. Our institutions in Canada and the rest of Western countries like Europe, Australia, and the United States. And this can be discouraging because it feels like we're losing ground. It can feel like there is this sense of what is happening, uh, like is is there a future for the church is a question that is asked. There's also a sense of generational schism in many ways. There's this sense in which um, though the older generations are remaining faithful, there's been this kind of sense of the youth are leaving the church. And statistically, we also actually do see that that's true, that in many ways, there's the youth are leaving uh, religious faith in droves, and there seems to be this separation from um, for, between generations. So that can be definitely discouraging, too, as we look towards the church, who are going to be tomorrow's leaders, pastors, missionaries, who's going to fill the pews (laughs) in a few years. Um, And so many statistics, if you look at it statistically, you see crisis is written all over it. If you, I'm not sure how many of you know the name Barna, but it's, uh, he does studies about the state of Christianity, especially in the, in the States, and, um, and they, they offer insights into where we are at the church. And I think they are, they're valuable as warnings. But our demeanor as the church, and I believe this firmly, is to de- be determined by what the Spirit of God is promising us and not what statistics are predicting. We have a better future ahead. And, and here's my conviction that I'm bringing to you today, that the Spirit of God is speaking a better word over the Canadian church than any secular voice, any statistical voice, even a lot of voices in the church, that the Spirit of God actually has a more hopeful, a more um, optimistic word that he has for the church. It's a better word. I'm not sure if these slides are in the right order. I might have put them in the Google Drive in the wrong one, but that's a great uh, verse regardless. (laughs) And so, I just wanted to look today about what, as we draw onward in time, towards the end of time, what does Jesus, what does the Bible say about the trajectory of the church? What does Jesus say about, um, about where we're headed And, I want, and here I want to pause and thank Graham for allowing me to borrow his Bible today. I forgot my Bible, so I'll be flipping around a lot. But one thing I'm thankful for is his Bible looks a lot cooler than mine. I don't have the, I don't have the decals, so <laughs> I got an upgrade today. So in Matthew 24, this is called the Olivet Discourse. And Jesus is here, is speaking to his disciples about the end of the age. And he's talking about um, he's talking about many of the signs of the end times where there's going to be um, many hard things that are going to be under, uh, undergone by the church. It says, um, in verse verse 12 here, "Sin will be rampant everywhere, and the love of many will grow cold," says verse 12. Now. Pay attention to verse 13. But the one who endures to the end will be saved, and the the good news about the kingdom will be preached throughout the whole world so that all nations will hear it, and then the end will come. So here we have it. Jesus lays out his vision for what the end times will look like, and he does agree there are bad things that are going to increase in the last days. But he says more than that, the thing he ends his statement with, more than that, there will be an enduring church that will endure throughout, and the most hopeful of all, the gospel will reach every nation, and that will be the sign by which we know the end will come, okay? So this is the promise, that Jesus says that he will receive his inheritance that he paid for on the cross of every tribe and every language and we see that similarly um, in the vision that John has in Revelation of, of what heaven's going to look like. There are people from every tribe, every tongue represented there in the throne room of God worshiping him. Because you have to understand that this is essential for Jesus. In his mind, his goal for, for the earth is that he will receive that inheritance. Before he returns, and and, and we hear this um, in Second Peter three. Um, just let's just flip over there really quick. Hopping all over. There we go. Second Peter three verses eight and nine but you must not forget this one thing dear friends a day is like a thousand years to the lord and a thousand years is like a day the lord isn't really being slow about his promise as some people think no he's being patient for your sake he does not want anyone to be destroyed but wants everyone to repent but the day of the lord will come unexpectedly as a thief um In, the, in this book, they're literally asking Peter, why hasn't the Lord returned like, we, like he promised yet? And the reason that Peter gives them is because not enough people have come to a, a knowledge of Jesus yet. This is the reason that Jesus delays the end times. He's waiting that just one more person can come and know Jesus. He wants one more person in heaven and he's just saying not yet don't pull the trigger yet heavenly father cuz i want to receive my inheritance of every nation and and the one that one of the crazy things is guys is that we are fast approaching the completion of the great commission by many metrics okay the number of languages that the bible is to be uh, translated into is diminishing really quickly did you know that Christians actually are leading the charge in linguistics as far as is as um, discovering new tools for translation and learning indigenous languages like Christians are leading the charge and uh, and and we're really getting close to that linguistic barrier um, finally being overcome but even more than that in the last 30 years In the last 30 years, there's been a tremendous movement. Since the 90s, there's this man named David Garrison who talked about a church planting movement, and he started um, empowering lay people, everyday people like you and me, to, um, to plant churches among the unreached. And he actually empowered people from one unreached people group to reach another unreached people group. And in the last 30 years, through in, um, in underground countries, we're talking China, uh, Iran, uh, Northern Africa, many other countries like that, um, just in the places that his organization and similar ones have been tracking, they've seen over 100 million people accept Jesus and be discipled in those nations. For, for comparison, that's more than 1% of the Earth's population— and that's also uh, more than the entire uh, entire population of all Baptist denominations worldwide. So, like the amount of growth that's happening right now in the frontier of Christianity, where people have never heard Jesus before, is insane. And 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 the crazy thing is, is by the power of the Spirit, um, one of my friends released a paper recently that said that seventy to eighty percent. Of Chinese uh, of new believers coming to the Lord in China, attribute their salvation to a miracle or a salvation uh, or um, or a healing. That's crazy. It's by the power of the Lord. the Lord is pouring out His Spirit and grace, and and for uh, Muslim believers, people who are from Muslim backgrounds who are coming into into faith in Jesus, um, often it is through a dream or a vision. Um, but also, the, just the plain, the number one reason is Bibles. Like, just access to the Bible is, access to the Scripture is transforming lives in the Middle East right now. Um, the, the most powerful tool that we're, we're using, um, uh, my friends have been implementing, is called the Discovery Bible Study. And anybody can lead it, but pretty much um, what they do is they will... Uh, just find somebody who's ripe for the gospel in these uh, Islamic countries. And um, they'll, they'll just empower them with the Bible. And they'll say, look, don't make any crazy statements to your family yet. Just ask them to read the Bible with you. Just study the Bible together. Ask questions about what it says about God and what it says about, about us. And then also ask, what does it command us to do? So those three questions, just reading through the Bible with that lens, and that alone is the mechanism by which tens and hundreds of thousands of churches are planted every year in in the Middle East. It's just by empowering people to read the Bible. And then there's, um, yeah, man, I could I could go off about it because that's one of the things I'm really passionate about. I'm really I'm studying in my degree right now. Is actually I'm writing about how we in the North America can uh, begin to implement the tools and just the simple techniques, like they're so basic, that the underground church uses to reach North America. And the cool things are is that that these, they're, they're, these tools actually work better in rural environments than they do in urban. So much of what we do in North America is around like the big mega church in an urban center. But where the majority of growth is happening right now is actually in the small, unassuming places. That God is actually moving the most where you'd least expect it. The places where there's the most animosity towards the cross of Christ, the place where there's the least, like, um, the poorest, most impoverished, the places where it is, that where people have, have, have heard the least about Jesus, that's actually where Jesus is moving the most. He's using the weak and foolish things of this world to shame what the world thinks is wise. So many of us, and and here's where I'm talking about, so many of us may have have heard lies and maybe even started to believe lies that the future of the world is actually secular and atheistic. Well, statistically, that's not true. Secularity is diminishing worldwide as, as Christianity and Islam grow exponentially. Uh, Part of that's due to the fact that if you're secular uh, or atheistic, you're less likely to have uh, as many (laughs) kids as as religious people will. (laughs) And just the fact that most um, of the countries that are growing really fast in the world right now are experiencing Christian movements within them. But we look at the future of the world And there's so many lies that will come against us and try to discourage us for how we should be. And it'll make us less bold. It'll make us less likely to step out and it'll it'll diminish our faith for what we can see in our own lives through the power of the gospel. Because let me tell you, if there's any way that you have scoffed at where you're from, who you are, Or any other factor. And said it's unlikely for a move of God to happen here. I want to tell you that that's a lie from the pit of hell. That that actually makes you the prime person. The prime location. For a move of God. That. There is no. Perfect age, because because so many of my friends are t- telling me stories. I know I, I'm I'm really young and I'm passionate and and so many of you may be like, okay, that's a, evangelism, church planting, disciple making. That's that's amazing that the youth are are getting that and I, and I understand that, but so many of my friends who are pioneers. In the underground church, are telling me their testimonies about. There was this seven-year-old, this was eighty-year-old farmer, in China that that we that we heard about, and went to a went to a disciple-making training, and literally walked door to door to door to door, and went, after he heard that he could do this, and then he led all of his his neighborhood to the Lord, and like we're just hearing stories like that, and there really is. No perfect demographic for a move of God because, because God just wants to move on humanity. He is not picky. He just wants to move on humanity. He wants to move on weakness. That's why He became weak like us to do the move of God that resulted in the cross. Because that's how God is glorified. The power of God, the Spirit of God is glorified through movements and weakness. And we get to partner, just like John the Baptist prepared the way for Jesus' first coming. As we engage in evangelism and disciple-making in our age, we're preparing the way for the Lord's second coming. We get to lay down the red carpet we get to be that people who say, "Prepare the way of the Lord." The kingdom of God is coming to earth, because Jesus Himself says He's delaying so that more people may come to know Jesus. And who? And I know I want to see Jesus come in my lifetime, but I also don't want Him to see to see Him come before He's ready to. <laughs> And, and my friends who – I have a friend right now – oh, man, I want to show you this video, but it's on my phone, so it's probably too small. Man, I, I'm just going to – just a second. I just – this – here we go. So I just here. Sorry. Thank you. All right. My friend just sent me this a few days ago. So he's he's into uh, he's in Nepal right now, and this is uh, he just sent me this is him and his friend praying within the mountains, they've hiked up to a place that nobody's gone with the gospel before. And they're just among the mountains meeting villagers who are living in these remote villages, and this guy right now is accepting Jesus, never had the chance to hear Jesus' name before, Um, and and just praying a prayer of acceptance to Jesus in that moment. And they're going to train him in the days to come with the ability to uh, start a church in his own village that will send missionaries to reach their own people in other villages across the Nepalese mountain. And and so think about it this guy right here he's the hope for Nepal right now. That they're they're leading it's not the hope for Nepal is actually not foreign missionaries because there's so many cultural barriers but they might lead one or two people to the Lord and those people will be the people who go to their own people with the good news of the gospel and it's going to reach um, it's going to reach so many more people, and th- that's happening in other regions of 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 the uh, of the Himalayas right now in in masses. I have uh, I have documentaries about it that kind of show um, if you want to if you want to watch more and get encouraged by that. Um, and but but just l- if you looked at that if you looked at that little man in and and just was like. Wow, he's so unassuming. He literally lives in poverty in one of the most remote places on earth where people literally didn't go, not because, um, not for any other reason than it was just so difficult to get to, but, but somehow he's the hope for whole massive regions bigger than, <laughs> bigger than like our whole, our whole city, right? Like there's more people there. And, and the same principles work, too. If that man's the God's best option to reach the Himalayas, that means that you are God's best option to reach Bathurst. All right, I got to keep moving. Okay. I'm not going to read the parable of the sower, but I just... I just felt to to remind us of that. So we've positioned God's heart. We've positioned God's heart in the harvest right now. Like this is what God wants to do. We know his heart. Now, what about us? What like what does that make us? And the parable of the sower, I think is such a valuable and essential understanding for for how God sees us. It says that the farmer scatters the seed. We're the seed, not the farmer. And some of it falls on thorns and gets um, and dies because of that. Some of it's withered away by the sun, others snatched by birds. There's only one possible positive outcome for the seeds. And that's that they grow and multiply. Every other seed gets snatched. If we want to be the people that Jesus said, those who endure to the end will be saved. How can we endure? Learn to multiply. That's how your seed will not be snatched. Learn to become the seed that grows up and bears 30-fold, 60-fold, 100-fold fruit. that's how you can have a strong faith that will endure throughout the end of the age. Because if that's God's reason for delaying the second coming of Christ, and you're a believer, God's keeping you on earth for that reason too. You're not, you're not joined with God in, in, in paradise yet because he has purposes for you. He delays that moment, even though he is looking forward to being face-to-face with you and having that intimate relationship finally be perfectly unified. He delays that moment because there's people who need to know Jesus. And you see this in the language that Jesus uses is for his disciples. He calls them fishers of men, laborers in the vineyards. Th- this is our identity in Christ, is actually to do what Jesus did. The, my favorite verse in the Bible, 1 John 2, verse 6, says, Those who are in Christ ought to walk the same way in which Christ walked. And when you think about that, you're like, wow, this is a shift that I need to make in my life. If I'm actually going to become a fisher of men. Because you were not, you, God did not call you to just simply believe. He called you to be a disciple. And disciples do what they see their master doing. They do what they see their master doing. Okay. Really have not been using these slides, okay, I just wanted to f- close off with two lies <laughs> that I will be combating <laughs> first lie is that i 'm not called this is this is the one that okay, so the idea of a capital e evangelist is like one of the most like <laughs> It's very complicated to try and work through because everybody has in their mind, when I say evangelist, they think Billy Graham, Reinhard Bonnke, leading hundreds of thousands to the, to the Lord during your life. If you're an evangelist, that's what it's going to look like. And and I want to say, first off, some will look like that, other evangelists look very different. And secondly, I want to say, regardless of whether or not you are an evangelist, if you believe that the Great Commission applies to you, then that means that you are called to make disciples at a bare minimum. That you are called to multiply what God has done in your life and to make disciples of Christ. It also says you're supposed to baptize and teach them. He says, instruct everybody. Let's just read the Great Commission together. I'm going on not a lot of sleep here this morning because we've because of our new one. So uh, you'll have to forgive me if I'm a little scatterbrained. Verse twenty of the Great Commission. Actually, we'll just we'll just start nineteen. Therefore, go and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples to obey the commands, all of the commands I've given you. So he literally gives them the commands to go into all nations, teach and baptize new believers, discipling them. And then he says, everyone who you lead to the Lord, teach them to do everything that I have commanded you. And in that way, the Great Commission is passed down as one disciple, one generation passes on to another, the Great Commission, and it gets and it arrives at you. And now it's your turn. I pray that the Great Commission will not be meet a dead end in my life or in your life, but that it'll continue onwards. If you believe that, yeah, so if you believe in the Great Commission, you believe that you're called by God. You don't have to be a special. Leader in the church, an evangelist. You you're called to make disciples. It's important to separate between the function and the office. Another, uh, so just to get at that, the second line is that I'm not gifted. And these overlap so much, but Ephesians four says that God gave us the apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. For the equipping of the saints. So not that they would do all the work of ministry themselves, but actually that they would equip others to do the ministry. That's what leadership in the church is for. So that means that evangelists are not actually supposed to be the sole people winning people to Jesus, but actually that they are the rallying point and the trainers that empower the whole body of Christ to reach the lost and to make disciples. So it doesn't matter if you have the gifting of evangelism. I pray that many of you do. I've seen it at work. It's amazing. But we're all called. And it is amazing to see what God does on the lives of ungifted people who are just passionate about him. And the other lie is that you don't have the personality type for it. It's um, the introvert versus extrovert thing is definitely something that makes it, some people find it more difficult to start conversations and relationships with people or to have those sometimes awkward conversations that result in sharing the gospel. But I think that this is also another lie is that, that, um, how can I put this? Whatever your personality type is, does, makes the value of the person that you will be reaching, that that doesn't change the value of that person that you'd reach to God. Like, God wants that person to know him, and he doesn't care whether or not it's an introvert or an extrovert. (laughs) And I feel like he'd rather, if he does it, if you, if we don't make excuses to, like, towards seeing his, his great um, harvest coming in. So I want to close with this encouragement. If you're feeling discouraged, I want you to remember these things. You are the righteousness of Christ. You are the hands and feet of Jesus in this world. You are part of a kingdom of priests to God. You are accompanied by Jesus In the Great Commission, we are empowered by the same spirit that raised Jesus Christ from the dead. And you are God's chosen instrument for revival. If anything, I want this to delete any doubt in your mind, this message, to delete any doubt in your mind that you were created for anything less than than something incredible in God's kingdom. Like... There are no ordinary members of God's kingdom. He has incredible, powerful things he wants to do through even the weakest of us. Let's close in prayer. Lord, we recognize that there are lies that come against the church And we recognize the plan of the devil. That if he can't get us to renounce our faith, to apostatize, that he'll at least get us to stay silent. And Lord, we come against his tactics right now in the name of Jesus. And we bind them. And we ask, God, that you will empower us and keep your purposes on earth before our eyes, that we will not forget why you are delaying coming back, but instead we will recognize who we are as laborers in your vineyard. Lord, that we will, we will value the people in front of us, our friends who don't know you yet, Jesus. Grip our heart with love for them. God, our, our family members who haven't met you yet, Jesus, help us understand their Eternal worth to you, Jesus, and how dearly you desire that they would come to a knowledge of you, God. Strangers that we walk by on the street, help us realize that they, like us, are equally valuable to you, Jesus. Grip our heart for the lost. God, we pray to the Lord of the harvest right now. Yeah, God, I pray to the Lord of the Harvest right now in this congregation that you will raise up laborers. In the name of Jesus, God, people who have not been laboring yet, Lord, would you release them into kingdom mission, God? Lord, would you release, God, giftings and anointings on weak people to transform bathurst in your name, Jesus? Lord, I ask that your voice would be so clear in their ears. Would you remind them daily that they're the righteousness of Christ, that you've chosen them, handpicked them, selected them, placed them in their location for kingdom impact? God, delete the illusion of being an ordinary person. And give them big dreams in the kingdom, God. I thank you for every one of them, and I pray, God, that you you would deeply encourage them in their hearts about who they are in you, Jesus, and how dearly you love the world that you would send your Son for them. Thank you, Jesus.
0: Thank you, Leighton, for that strong challenge, the good challenge. Um, I do believe? Um, I, two or three months ago, I felt that that our our theme for our week of prayer was going to be harvest time, and then when I when I heard what these guys were coming to talk talk about as well just really encourage that I believe the Lord set us up to launch into a time of praying and believing for what God wants to do in his kingdom purpose in our region um, as uh, as these guys you know kind of set that up for us God wants to say something to us about his his uh, his kingdom harvest in our region he wants to encourage in- encourage us to call us out of discouragement that no matter what it feels like or looks like around us um, in, in some of the hardest darkest places of the world a move of God is happening you know what this region has Those of you who have been here much longer than me know that this region has been a hard place for the gospel. But that doesn't mean that there is not going to be a harvest. And I believe God is stirring us up in 2023 to believe for a harvest for his kingdom. Um, In a moment, I want us to pray for Leighton and Jericho. Uh, I'm going to invite you guys to come. We want to give you an opportunity to invest in their ministry. If you're writing a check, um, you can just write it to Evangel and put uh, put uh, Leighton and Jericho or put Gather to Go, I guess, in the, in the uh, memo and we'll make sure that that gets passed on. Um, but we just want to bless them financially. Uh, you know what? These guys are are our missionaries to primarily to young adults in our province and around the Maritimes? They're seeing incredible things happen. We as a church have been investing in their ministry for uh, over a year and a half, and uh, are continuing to do so this year. But uh, but we want to give you an opportunity to just pour into them, and uh, uh, and, and encourage them today. So um, so yeah, you guys just go ahead and would you guys just step up here? And I want to as as they're just go ahead, go ahead, take up the offering. And uh, as they're doing that, I want to want to pray for these guys. Yeah, thank you, Jesus. God, we thank you for Leighton and Jerrica and their team. The people around them, the people that they're uh, discipling and mentoring into ministry, into mission. We thank you for the lives that are being affected by by them and by their outreach. We pray, God, that there would be a move of your spirit in in the young adult generation of our province that would stir up a revival that would shake not only our province. God, I've heard so many uh, prophecies over the last few years that in our nation, there will be a move of the spirit that will start in the east and move to the west. And God, we believe for that to happen. We believe for an outpouring of your spirit In the east, God, we're overdue. We're overdue. Pour out your spirit, God, on the young and the old alike. God, we just believe you for something fresh and powerful in 2023. We pray blessing upon Leighton and Jericho, that, God, every need would be met as they pour out their lives for the sake of your kingdom. We pray for fruit, lasting fruit. We give you thanks for all that you're doing in Jesus' powerful name. Amen. Amen. Yeah, bless you. One more thing before we finish this morning. Would you stand with us? Um, I hope you've had a chance to fill out prayer cards. And as an act of faith, saying god we are believing for this for answer to this prayer. We want to encourage you just to file out from your seat and lay them in one of these piles here on the on the table. And uh, and as you do that, I'm just going to pray. Don't don't feel disre- you're being disrespectful cuz you're stepping out and walking up here with that card is an act of prayer, is an act of faith. So while I'm praying, for your prayer needs that you're bringing to the Lord. Just go ahead and step out, bring bring your card and lay it here as an act of prayer and an act of faith. We're going to just kick off our week of prayer with this right now. So come on up. Yeah, tonight we have our regular prayer meeting at 6 o'clock and then uh, I've already told you about our plan for the rest of the week. Father, as we bring these prayer needs to you, as we bring them before you, Father. We bring them in faith. We bring them in confidence, not, not confidence in our faith, not confidence in us, not confidence in, in our ability to pray just the right words or just the right things to see answer to prayer, but God, we, our confidence is in you. Our confidence is in our God who is mighty, our God who is... Uh, savior, Deliverer, Healer, Restorer. God, we lift up our hearts in faith, believing for breakthrough in the areas of, of need that we've brought to you today. And God, as we bring continually bring these things before you this week, we are believing for breakthrough. We're believing for answer to prayer. We're believing for salvations and healings. We're believing God for for your kingdom come and your will be done in these situations as it is in heaven. Father, move by your spirit, we pray. We we trust you. We lean into you. We believe God that you are our hope. And we give you thanks, God. Your your word says that that rather than be anxious, we are to make our requests known to you with thanksgiving. So God, we do that today. We thank you now already for answered prayer. We thank you for the breakthrough. We thank you, God, that we can trust you in each one of these situations. You are a miracle working God. We, we uh, cast ourselves upon you on your mercy and your love and your grace, in Jesus' powerful name, and everyone said, "Amen, amen, amen." Well, God bless you, folks. You're welcome to linger for a bit, um, but we uh, we hope to see you at one of our prayer uh, prayer times this week. Make sure you grab the schedule and the uh, the devotional on your way out. God bless.